Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Instant Junk Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Jill. And on this episode for our cinema release we're going to be reviewing Venom, the new movie starring Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams. For our streaming review we're going to be taking a look at the Netflix exclusive American Vandal Series 2. And for our review rewind we're going to be going back to 1987 to look at the Coen Brothers classic Raising Arizona. Hey Eddie. Who the hell is this guy? I'm going to need Mr. Drake's property back. Oh, what are you doing? I'm, uh, I'm putting my hands up. You are making us look bad. I, no, I am not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Why would you do that? Because it is a very sensible thing to do. Eddie? I will take care of this myself. What? Eddie, where's the bug? <laughs> and our cinematic release this episode is Venom starring Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams. It's about Eddie Brock, a journalist who loses everything investigating the Life Foundation and its owner. Wanting to do right, he keeps investigating and ends up bonding with an alien creature. Where do we begin with this? I will begin with, uh, I quite liked it. I will start with, I thought it could be a bit better. I definitely think it could be better and I think it could be shorter. Mm. But I've seen worse. Yes. The problem is, is that there are too many comic book movies at the moment. We are literally hitting oversaturation now, I think. I will tell the world this right now, and this might put into perspective some of my viewpoints, is that I have actively been avoiding comic book films for a long time. So the last film that I've seen in the Marvel Universe is probably the first class. Oh, hmm. Oh, that's some time. I've actively, I've not seen any of the Avengers mm. and I, I am looking forward to watch them. It's just, I I feel like I'm being forced to watch them at the moment. I yeah. want to watch them in my own time. Yeah. I should really point out that although we previously announced that we were going to be doing Predator, we could not bring ourselves to... Oh, hell no. I think both me and Jill were dragging high heels because we didn't want to spend money on that piece of shit. It's one of those things where, yeah, it's it's our view and it's our, it's our thing to watch films and we have to be non-biased and watch them. But at the same time, you can't force yourself to watch something you're really not into. The joy of us doing this podcast is, although we're not always going to do stuff we like, it's stuff that we have an interest in. And there's something about whatever it is, mm. except for the review rewinds, which we have no choice in the matter. <laughs> but when it comes to cinematic releases, we do have a choice. Mm. And neither of us were feeling that film. And you, I don't think you would have got a decent review no. from us if we had watched it. Yeah. And we, both me and Jill have actually broken a pact. We did originally have a pact that we would not touch a comic book film. Yes. Apart from obviously for Review Rewind. Yeah. But we would not cover a comic book new release. No. But Predator kind of twisted our arms on this one and we just thought you know what it's devil deep blue sea yeah i mean i'm not gonna I, I, i'm happy i've watched venom over predator any day oh yeah yeah i I'm, i enjoyed it mm. i think i definitely enjoyed it more than i would have if i had to be forced to a spend money or b watch the predator yes and spend money yeah <laughs> it's I enjoyed the film. I think it was a decent way of passing a couple of hours. I think some of the plot beats, though, were very generic. But isn't that all comic book films? Yeah, this is what I mean. It is oh, lit- it's, all, it's all comic books as well. And, oh, the hate, I could feel it already. But 
there are certain paths that will always get trod mm. when writing or making films. Mm. And I mean, this film trod down a path that yeah. we knew it was going to tread down. That is very true. I mean, the bad guy in this is, I mean, it's not even in comic book films now, it's in all films. Oh yeah, it's the same every fucking film you watch. It's, the only key difference with this bad guy is in his head, he thought he was doing something good. But his head is twisted. Yeah, I mean, he he has this great idea that, you know, the world is turning to shit, mm. so let's find a new home for humanity. Yes. And in his head, you need to crack some eggs to get that done. Yeah. And for him, that is finding willing or unwilling sacrifices, unfortunate people that have no choice, mm. in order to further his agenda. So if he needs to run a test, he needs a human participant. Yeah. And that test in his head, is going towards the greater good. Yes. I mean, there was this horrible bit in, say, the first half hour where basically what he, this guy does is he rounds up homeless people, gets them in, gets them to sign a waiver that they don't understand so that he can test on them. And was it Isaac? Yeah, that's his name. Because it was a biblical name. And what he manages to do is is twist biblical verses in order to kind of bring this guy's thinking around to his way of thinking. And then obviously he says, oh, you know, kind of release the Kraken. <laughs> and and then the guy gets, you know, tested. Yeah. But it's just how he can justify himself. He uses biblical text. He uses any way to yeah. get it done anyway. At all. I, mean, I mean, he, at one point he turns to one of his own scientists and says, how's your family? How's your family? You know, yeah. if he needs to get something done, he will find a way of getting it done. Yeah, he's an evil piece of shit. And that's why he's the big bad Yes, in this film. He's the big bad piece of shit. <laughs> but I like Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock. I mean, that's lest we forget Tafer Grace. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault, but it was still him. Yeah, he took the flack for that and it wasn't all his flack to take. No. Is what I'm going to say. He should have taken some flack because he could have walked away or could have read the script better. Or could have just put his foot down and said, no, I want to do it this way. But I like Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock. Yeah. I mean, there were parts of me that were watching it and I kept thinking, are you trying to be a weedy guy? Because you're not a weedy guy, no. Tom Hardy. Mm. You know, you can't not look at him and think you're not Tom Hardy. Yeah. There's very, very few films that he can disappear into, like Chopper mm. or even as Bane. Yeah. He has to have that full costume. Mm. But in this, it's kind of like, I like the way he did it. Mm. But he was verging on the old Nicolas Cage going crazy, overacting. Yes. But I kind of like that. Yeah. Well, I think we can safely assume we're both huge Nicolas Cage fans. <laughs> and I have to admit, like, when he first gets kind of symbioided with Venom. Yeah. That's a new word, though. Symbioted. It's how he was acting because obviously he's now got this entity within him, and you know it's very different to anything else. It's otherworldly, literally. I kept thinking about that scene in Men in Black. Oh god! In the first one, where he takes the farmer's body and he's like, yeah, it was kind of like that, but he fit in the skin. Yeah, and it was like when he first gets venomed, he's able to climb up trees, run really fast, break through walls. You know, he's kind of like. Uh, hero man. Uh. Yeah. And then obviously the side effects start coming in, like the un 
satisfied hunger and it can only be stuff like raw food things of blood yes live meat and then it's the unstoppable sweat and oh my god there's this scene where he vomits and i almost vomited really yeah you didn't even really see any of the vom bollocks you did <laughs> i didn't see any of the. i vom. did maybe because it made me want to vom i noticed <laughs> it more but it was like oh but yeah that's just my particular quirk <laughs> But he's not well when people around him are quite concerned because he's acting crazy. He's His body's going crazy. He's got like the highest fever and basically because Venom is taking over. And Yeah. I mean, they find out that essentially they can shut your organs down. Yes. Because it feeds on your organs, mm, doesn't it? But as we found, as long as you keep him fed, he'll keep you alive. Yes. But I don't like the girlfriend. I didn't enjoy Michelle Williams's character. I didn't think Michelle Williams gave a fuck. No. About being in that film, there wasn't any chemistry between them. No. They're definitely better off as friends. Yeah. She pulled her weight. Not gonna. Oh yeah. Denounce it, but she didn't. She could have been anything, anyone. Yeah. She didn't need to be in that film. That film didn't really need a sidekick because Venom and Brock are each other's sidekick. Yeah. I mean, obviously, her character does have a place within the canon, so you did kind of need it in there. But it's just maybe a better actress would have done it better. Ooh, Bob. But, I, you know, she was phoning it in. That's the horrible thing. She was just phoning it in. Yeah, she didn't give a fuck. I mean, she was there with her weave. Oh, Jesus. I mean... She comes up in certain scenes and it turns out that she's there to basically be a kind of protective thing around Brock mm. for someone who is meant to hate him and dump him and move on pretty damn fucking quickly. She still had a bit of care for him, which, you know, comes up a bit later. But yeah, meh. Uh, you know, when I think about the film, I don't actually think about her. Yeah. I mean, she did have some pivotal parts of the film. I mean, she was there to, you know... I'm not going to say save the day a couple of times, but she saved his ass a couple of times. Oh, she she looked after him. She, you know, she made the plot move. Yeah. But like I said, it could have been anyone. Yeah. It didn't have to true. be her. Yeah. And obviously the doctor was very shooed in through her. Yeah. And again, that could have been anyone. anyone. Yeah. It was just a, a side plot of a side plot. The plot was pretty damn paper thin, but what you didn't need was another strand straining said plot. No. It's a bit much. Yeah. I think the film, it tries to, it thinks that it's going faster than it actually is. Yes. And it really isn't. There's a lot of guff. Bollocks. It's <laughs> a lot of, the beginning is long, the middle is long, and then the end is quick. Yes. The thing <laughs> is, the bit that was actually quite entertaining was over too fucking soon. What bit was that? The big fight. Oh, see, I got bored of that as well. It's like there was a bit in the big fight where there's more symbiosis happening. And they all kind of made Oh, and I was just like, oh, fuck off. Shut up. Yeah, okay. That was a bit like the fight scenes were a bit. I would have just been happy if it was just a buddy film where Brock and Venom drive about on the motorcycle, eating getting into. Faces. Eating people's faces, getting into japes. That would have been much more interesting. You know, when I go into a comic book film, I want to see explosions and shit. That's kind of my requisite. And it did that, but it was over too quickly. I think Riz's character in this was very badly used. It got to a point where he just started chewing scenery. 
he came in as another Elon Musk-esque character. Yeah. And then there was a massive portion of the film where he just wasn't in it anymore. Yeah. And then he suddenly came back and you're like... Oh, oh you're still there, then. And then <laughs> he started to get more um, kind of big cat, shall we say. He got cocky, didn't he? Yeah, he got proper cocky, mate. But it was just like, you've already established him as a big bad guy. We already know he's evil. And then they just kind of made him a bit pantomime villainy. Yeah, but is that, again, not a comic book film? Surely you can't have a villain without them being a bit pantomimey. We have moved on a little bit. We have moved on. I think Riz Ahmed was just wasted in this. He's a good fucking actor and could have done a lot more if he'd been given a chance to sink his teeth in. I mean, I feel there's only three actors in this film anyway. Yeah. All the actors were put into their own little boxes, I think. And that's a great shame because there was talent there. There was proper talent. You know, you could have had the bad guy with a decent story of why he wants to do this Mm. rather than it just being, I just don't like humanity. You know, it's just like, well, there has to be a good reason why you don't like humanity. You don't just wake up one day and think, you know, I don't like humanity. I mean, I like, I don't like humanity that much because, you know, it's fucked with me quite a lot. But then you could go and do lab tests on all the humanities that you don't like. No, I just want to bathe in their blood. Yeah, there's some bits in this film that were quite ridiculous. The the car chase scene was long. Uh, That was, I swear, that was about a good 20 minutes of bollocks. Shit. Yeah. Went on too long. But I really had a big issue with, and this shows you how long it's been since I've last watched a fucking comic book film there's just so much cgi yeah i'm from the old school i love a bit of animatronic i love a bit of hand-to-hand i love a bit of camera trickery mm. and i understand that yeah, venom doesn't really exist so venom has to be yeah but when you're watching two venoms essentially mm. two sim symbiotes symbiotes fight for me it's a bit too much on yeah. the old eyeballs i'm a bit like yawn like, I wouldn't mind if it was him fighting a person. Mm. But when you're watching too many CGI things fighting, it's like watching people throw paint at a wall. Yeah. And that final scene was like watching two people throw paint at each other. Yeah. I mean, it was literally... It was like watching Morph and Pingu fight. Yeah. That, I I can't <laughs> disagree with that. I mean, I like the fight, but like there was bits where, you know, someone would punch a floor and then bits will come up through the grating and you're like... Really? It's the reason I stopped watching... I mean, there's many reasons I stopped watching Transformers. I'm a massive Transformers fan, but not Michael Bay. We don't talk about Michael Bay Transformers. I've only seen the first one. And you spend, I spent a lot of time just staring at shapes. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea who was who. I couldn't tell you which Transformer was which Transformer, because they all looked the same. Yeah. I couldn't see who was fighting what. Mm. And it was kind of like that in the last sequence in this film. I was a bit like, I know that there's only two technically four people fighting mm-hmm. but who, what i was just sat there watching going what yeah morphin pingu we have got to a point now where fight scenes are no longer just people punching each other it's people punching and then weird shapes form yeah it's like and it's it's like terminated two all over again but at least that was original then it was and i could see the fight clearly it yes. wasn't so super fast that oh god is it uh, me or was the camera angles during the fight scene just a little bit worry it was like when you're playing a video game 
and you're also in control of the camera angle whilst you fight. Yeah. And you're like, oh, fuck, I can't see what I'm fucking doing. I'm too low. Fucking get that angle. Oh, I've missed. It's like someone was playing with a fucking controller and they just kept forgetting to push the camera up. Yeah. No, it, it, was, it was just shit. Yeah. And that's why I said earlier, I was like, mm, not the fight scene. I mean, I like the fight scene because I've got some boom booms. And, and it was the logical conclusion of how it should end. I mean, mm. we've lit, we literally had Brock go from, you know, investigative reporter to down and out to doing the right thing, becoming infected with venom, then basically kind of accepting venom in his life. And then figuring out what he's going to do next. Yeah. I mean, that was it. that's basically Brock's... Um, plot arc because he wasn't a hero as such he wasn't even an anti-hero there no was... he was just a creature he was just a guy hosting a creature yeah. who changed who you know had to go and do something yeah i mean the fact of the matter is venom is not meant to be a good guy or an anti-hero i don't think and i think that they kind of got that because neither of them are neither yeah they're none of it i mean the only reason why there, there's any kind of inkling that he's a good guy is because he's fighting someone who's a massive shit yeah I'd be interested to see where they take it. I mean, yeah. if we go to the plot, the plot was thin, yeah, but I think like with what I've gathered from all the other films that anyone has ever done in the cinematic universe, mm. whatever they want to call it these days, is that usually when it's a one-on-one film, mm-hmm. they keep it kind of light and a bit empty, a bit soulless. Yeah. And then it's when that big old finale happens where mm-hmm. everyone has to come together and fight the yeah. big, big, big bad. Yeah. That it all starts to make sense. And I yeah. think that this is a little drop in a very big ocean. And I look forward to seeing what's next. Mm. But I worry that if this doesn't take off, if this doesn't continue to get good reviews, they're not going to bother. Yeah. And that's the most irritating thing. Yeah. Like I said, that we've already explained Brock's plot arc and it is quite thin. Mm. Uh, the bad guy is literally humanity sucks so i'm gonna try and make it so that we can live on another planet using human guinea pigs yeah that's basically his thing and then he gets taken over by riot that's it that's his thing there's not many arcs in this film no and i understand what you're saying about it's basically just a feeder for bigger better things Mm. i understand that but at least give you know brock and venom a bit more grounding in their character make the bad guy less he's less than 2d let's be honest he's yeah but he had more d than what's his name had in spider-man the green lantern oh god yeah what's the sand guy i've forgotten his name oh sandman (laughs) you know i have literally just tried to forget those spider-man films but it's the same it's the same premise Uh, and again i'm not a i i I like comic books fortunately i don't like spider-man i've gotten into spider-man recently Mm, it's for me the thing is, it's because I grew up with like an edgy cousin. I didn't really get into stuff like Spider-Man. We, you know, my first comic book I remember was Killing Joke, mm. which okay, that's to, quite a heavy one. Yeah, and I was nine, so that was a bit of a fucking shock. So stuff like Spider-Man and Superman, to a certain extent, never really fucking got me because they were all so fucking vanilla, and there was no kind of. Yeah, I hated Spider-Man and I hated Superman. I was always X-Men. I was massive X-Men. I still am. Yeah, X-Men had a decent premise for it, though, because... So many different times, like so many different arcs. But then I was also, and I still am a massive Watchman fan. Yeah, Watchman's good. But we don't talk about that film. No, let's not talk about that. 
film. Although I didn't actually mind it. But if the more you watch it, the worse it gets. Yeah. I can sort of see that. But back to Venom. Back to Venom. Uh, to round up, I would suggest watching it. If you've got a couple of squid available, spend it. Think about feeding Tom Hardy's children while you do it. It's mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah. Um. But if you're a bit brassic, wait for it to come on Netflix. It'll yeah. still be just as good. Yeah. I mean, there are better things probably to spend your money on than this, if I'm brutally honest. But if you're just looking for entertainment for a couple of hours, then you could do worse than this. Yeah, definitely. So, you know... You could watch Predator. Do we hate them that much, Jill? Do we? Uh, my hate is nondescript. <laughs> I so everyone. You could, I think you should do what we did and skip Predator, go to this. Fair? Fair. And our cinema review for the next episode will be Mandy, starring Nicolas Cage. He couldn't have done that horrible thing with the t-shirt launcher because I was with him at the time. We were having one of our spirited debates. We were talking about the Pope. Our streaming review this episode is American Vandal Season 2, a Netflix original following documentarians Peter and Sam who get called in to investigate a school who's been pranked by the turd burglar. Man, that is the greatest name ever. It's the calling card that everyone needs in their life. <laughs> I can't help but think about that little, the hamburglar from McDonald's every time someone says turd burglar. Yeah, it was the naming of that <laughs> is just inspired. It's just, I mean, season one was just all about who drew the decks, which was quite catchy. But this one, you've got an actual villain with a villain name. Turd burglar. Yeah, it's great. Um, now I'm quite new to this. I haven't seen season one. I will watch season one, but I've gone straight into season two, which I think you can do. I don't yeah. think I'm missing anything. Well, no, it's season one was a complete standalone. I'm ho- I'm hoping they carry on this vein of standalone because it's actually quite good. I mean, obviously they reference their before document documentary. I should say document. Fuck's sake. <laughs> But they've pretty much gone into this is a whole new thing. And they've been a lot more ambitious with this one. I mean, it still has the same trope of someone's been wrongfully accused of doing something and they're going in to prove someone's innocent. Yeah. Um, that That's still the same premise. They haven't changed that. But obviously, this one isn't about some dude drawing decks. It's about some guy literally showering people and making people shit themselves. Showering people with shit, not just showering people. You yep, imagine yep. that? I'll give you a bath. That'd be just <laughs> that. That's almost sore. Yeah, showering with blood. <laughs> um, but if I start off with the 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 kind of filming of it, now I I love. And I will never stop loving really bad reconstruction crime programs. In oh. fact, today, before I came over to in- in- like record this, I had spent a good few hours watching Crime Investigation Channel. Oh. And uh, so I know what I'm looking for when yeah. I'm looking at a, a oh, reconstruction. God. Right now, I'm addicted to a crime thing called Deadly Women. Oh, I love Deadly Women. Mm. My partner is really quite scared now because I've watched quite a few episodes and he's like, is this going to be a 
a training manual. Um, and wait till you see blood relatives. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> and then you've got deadly women and blood relatives. He's <gasps> fucked. <laughs> but thigh rub, thigh rub, thigh, thigh rub. rub. Um, <laughs> so when this was meant to be a mockumentary kind of take on these kind of crime programs, yeah. I was expecting it to be a little bit grittier. It's a bit too polished. Yeah. I mean, I know it's a, it's kind of like a funny or die type thing. Mm. Um, so it's kind of like, I think it's quite meta. It's like, oh, we're taking the piss, but we're actually not because it's quite high quality. Yeah. But I, I, my first negative is it could have just been a little bit grainy, a little bit grittier, less HD. Yeah. More 90s. Yeah. Reconstruction and things like this never look that good. No. So I was a bit like, oh, it could have been a bit gritty. You could have had people that didn't look the right age, just mm. to get that humour out there. Yeah. If you know what I mean, like yeah. adults shitting themselves. Yeah. But in school uniform <laughs> would have been slightly more hilarious than actual people who look like school children shitting themselves. <laughs> there were points where I was just like, oh God, what am I looking at here? I mean, if you have never seen the first one, the opening of this doesn't pull any punches. You see people shitting everywhere oh yeah there were bits where i was like is that shit or sick i don't really know what that is yeah i it so this obviously goes on to the first prank that the turd burglar pulled which was spiking the lemonade with um laxatives melt it all yes and it that's quite a strong shit your pants kind of drug i didn't expect everyone to have lemonade that day it apparently was very popular indeed but um yeah what that caused is what didn't they call it the brownout or it something was the brownout like yeah and yeah people were shitting in bins shitting in bags because there is not enough toilets in that place to withstand everyone people were just shitting yeah people was... were shitting their pants yeah yeah because they couldn't even make it to a bin no some people just stood and shit yeah i think if everybody else is doing it i think you're fine on that one yeah I mean, obviously in that situation, just don't go around shitting your pants. Like, if your nan starts shitting her pants, don't think it's, you know, appropriate <laughs> for yourself to do so because that that's old age for her. Someone's got to clear it up. Think of, think of the person who has to clear it up. Well, I'm hoping you'd clean up your own shit. No. <laughs> why do that? If you've gone to the trouble of shitting yourself in public, why are you going to clean it up? No, you see, I can't remember if I've ever shat myself in public. You better touch wood because you might. Touch wood. Um, <laughs> who's wood? Oh, not this again. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so P- Peter and Sam, who I expected from the first documentary. Yep, the exact same people. Got called in to this school to help exonerate this other kid who basically got... He basically got railroaded into admitting it. Yeah. Watching that was actually quite harsh because there's actual police officers doing the interrogation of this poor guy whose name escapes me. Kevin. Kevin. Kevin McLean. Kevin McLean. (laughs) Yeah, there was a police officer, but then there was also like the school security guard who should not have been there, useless man. Obviously, he denied it, he denied it, he denied it. And then they gave him a break and a teacher took him off to one side. And then all of a sudden he comes back into the room and he's admitting that he's done all of them. But obviously, there's bits where the police are telling him how they did the crime. Yeah. And this is obviously being happening. So obviously, this is what sparks the whole documentary being made. It's literally the miscarriage justice. Pretty much the same as the first season. Okay. Um, 
So it's so it pretty much starts the same as the first season starts. Yeah. Okay. There was four crimes altogether because you had the shit your pants cocktail, the brownout. Yeah. You had the shitty pinata. Yep. Which was just grim. That was so grim. Um, you had the shit cannons. Shit cannon. And then you had the uh, advent calendar. <laughs> it's all cat shit as well, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's. It's very fecal based, but then the guy's called the turd burglar, so it's but kind of his mo. Yeah, but I feel that if someone is called the turd burglar, now this is what was getting to me. So much I enjoy the name turd burglar, and I'm going to see how many times I can say it, turd burglar. <laughs> now, turd burglar to me sounds like I am someone who steals turds. Yeah, because I am a turd burglar. I steal turds. But he, he didn't steal any turds. He created turds. So how is he or she therefore called the turd burglar? Surely they are the turdmeister. Can I just ask that people don't <laughs> take any of what Jill has said out of context <laughs> and put it up on a, on any kind of service because that just... <laughs> you just said I am the turd burglar. I'm not the yeah. turd burglar. You are the turd burglar. Back to the uh, crimes at hand. Of the turdmeister, as I'm going to call them. <laughs> He's the turd burglar. <laughs> Didn't steal any poo. But he, uh, well, maybe he had to get the poo from somewhere to, in order to. But it's mostly cat shit. No, I think there was actual human poo. I think the turd pinata was human. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but I would expect that that's probably their own poo, so they can't steal what's already yours. <laughs> Unless he stole it from the toilet. That's possible. Mr. Pee-Pee. Someone who hangs out in toilets and steals your poo. Oh, That's a Halloween right there. As long as they do it after I've left the loo, I don't care. <laughs> but no, the uh, turd pinata was a uh, sight to see. Oh, that little god boy who hits it. Like, that's my favourite clip of him just slowly pinning down. <laughs> The bat, like, oh shit, <laughs> shit, <He's> literally. <laughs> he literally just puts down the bat, and then backs away. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not me. Oh god, it's just the way that he said. Um, you know, I thought they were screaming for the candy, but then I realised people don't scream like that for candy. <laughs> <laughs> was one of the one of my favourite quotes about that was um, I think it was the basketball player was just like, the teacher didn't deserve shit in her eyelashes. <laughs> and I was just like, oh god. <laughs> Imagine getting shit in your eyelashes. Fuck. But anyway, so there's four four crimes. And Peter and Sam have to try and solve who did the crimes. Yes. Who is the turd burglar? And how do they get Paul Kevin off scot-free if he indeed is not the turd burglar? Well, you see, in order to achieve this, they obviously, like the first season, they dug very deep into people's lives, people's backgrounds and whatnot. And obviously they revealed a lot of shit going down, so to speak. You know, there's a lot of backstabbing. There's a lot of bitching. There's a lot of, it was you, it was you. No, it was you. And it's just quite, that followed the same kind of pattern as the first one. That kind of got a bit repetitive because obviously they're playing guess who with the culprit list. Yeah, I mean, it did feel quite repetitive. Mm. I was thankful it wasn't a film. Otherwise, I would have really got bored. Yeah. I was halfway through, I was a bit, 
yawn sim. I was a bit yeah. like, oh, another swerve. Oh, another swerve. Oh, another swerve. What's going to happen now? Oh, it's another swerve. But they managed to do it intelligently enough. So you'd have like this swerve coming. But it was so wrapped up in drama and it's stuff that made you think. It's like um, they ostracized a girl because she took a picture with, was it Kendall Jenner? Kids are harsh. Kids are mate but obviously she cropped it in such a way so it looked like they were like besties and basically what it was it was a fan picture we all know that person who bigs themselves up we all know that person who can't handle that they're just like us so they have to they're the, you know the sort of people who will be at a gig and they'll have something but it's not enough they have to make it more dramatic than what it is so like they will have access to such and such but they'll make it so much bigger than what it is oh uh, like i'm going backstage to hang out with the guys when in fact what you're doing is going backstage to get a vip handshake and a picture yeah yeah, yeah. we all know those people oh yeah which is sad but true but you take those people with a grain of salt you kind of say yeah mate good on you and you move on or at least that's the adult thing to do mm. but kids being kids being cru- cruel crucify them fuck out of you it seems and they crucified i think every suspect that they had mm. so you had that girl then you had kevin shitstain mclean yeah and then you had i think that was oh nappy boy drew yeah, nappy. but he kind of drew that on himself because that was weird yeah but then it came out why he did it yeah oh yeah um, and then you had, was it superstar basketball player who was never ostracized, but felt lonely inside. One thing that the documentary does kind of pull up is about how differently people are treated. So obviously you have the big sports stars like uh, DeMarcus and Perry who managed to get away with so much crap in the school. They're untouchable. Uh, Perry at one point was harassing a girl called Paige via Instagram he managed to steal the mascot suit and was basically just sexually harassing Paige if we're brutally honest about this he was fucking said oh when are you gonna suck my dick in ye old nighty yeah. speak poor Paige had to go through this she made complaints and nothing was done about it and then there was there was Grayson who just shit posted on someone's Twitter and ended up getting kicked out of school for it. That's uh, ridiculous. Yeah, but because he wasn't a star athlete, he got everything thrown at him. Yeah. And the documentary really does pull up about you know you have to be either one of the cool kids or one of the star athletes to be untouchable. Whereas if you are like, you know, like Shitstain McLean, you've got no one having your back. Yeah. You get railroaded. And it's, even though um, McLean had his, he had his own little niche. He was known as the Fruit Ninja because he just batted away fruit. Because that was his way of kind of getting out of the Shitstain McLean thing. Yeah, I think it does cover a lot of those sort of high school moments that you mm. kind of try and push the back of your mind and i mm. think kevin kevin's character was the guy who he knows he's not going to be popular he's got his little group of friends yeah and he knows the rest of the school don't give a fuck about him so he goes out of his way to be weird yeah and he likes to think and think of the bullying as people trying to be nice to him where we all know that deep down and towards the end we find out that he knows fine well he's being bullied he just doesn't mm. want that yeah 
I mean, it's... He doesn't want to be a victim. Yeah. I mean, there's one bit where, you know, obviously the reason why he got the nickname Shitstain McLean was during sports, he must have sat down on the on the dirt. And, and when, a bit of mud. Yeah. And when he stood up, it looked like he shat his pants. Mm. And basically one guy called him Shitstain McLean and then put it up on social media and it just stuck with him. Yeah. I mean, I felt bad for him. Yeah. Before that happened, he had a good circle of friends, I would say. Weird. Because it had the it had this comparison between like two years where one year's birthday party had about 20 people at it. Oh, yeah. So before he became a shit stay McLean, he had a little group of friends. Mm. And then after that, it was literally, I think about it was six him, people. him, Tanner, Chloe, Chloe and Grayson. Yeah, I think that and a couple of other people. That was it. Mm. And it's just, the one thing that this documentary does is shines that light on how kind of thickly people can be. Well, Chloe was a good example. I mean, she was the reason why Peter and Sam came to the school. She Mm. wanted to, she knew that Kevin didn't do it. Yeah. But I think that that was mostly out of her own guilt because she had admitted that as she wanted to become more popular in school, she started leaving Kevin behind because Mm. people told her to. Yeah. Because she needed to be more popular. She liked the attention. Yeah. So she had to leave Kevin behind. And then I think this was her little way of atoning. Cause she, but for him, it was a bit too late. It was, why are you yeah. bothering? And I think towards the end, she kind of realised that everyone here is a fucking jerk. You know, Kevin was my real friend. Mm. That's just stick with what I know, the people who actually yeah. give a fuck. And also his other friend, Tanner, as well. Well, fucking dobbed him straight in. Yeah, dobbed him in. Rather than spoke to him. Yeah. All of this was over a misunderstanding as well, which is the worst thing. Tanner and Chloe went to Skip Day, which is where they hire out an Airbnb and just have... A party. Yeah. Lots Um, of underage drinking. Yeah. Didn't we all do that, though? Just we didn't have Airbnb back in our day. Park. Yeah. Those benches, though, man. They were home. (laughs) But no, Tanner and Chloe were there and you get the impression that they were an item. Mm. And it's insinuated that McLean had called the authorities on them. Yeah, the police showed up and everyone, well, especially Tanner, expected that it was Kevin who had called the police. So therefore, fell out with Kevin because Mm. he was like, oh, Kevin, you didn't want me to go there. So you called the police. Mm. And then that led to Tanner being kicked out of the band, the Horsehead yeah. Collective, and they ended their friendship. So yeah. then the day after Tanner went and basically said, my friend's been acting really weird, don't understand it, I think it was him, police went with it. Yeah, without even checking any evidence, which is great police work. Yeah. But no, I mean, this documentary shines a light on how shitty high school can be and how shitty people can be. It kind of feeds into what the turd burglar does because... Well, the Tad Burglar's ultimate goal is to show everyone how fake they is. are and how fake everything is. Yeah. I, I think, think... I mean, I really enjoyed the ending. I don't want to skip to the ending, but I think the ending is... Uh, the last episode, I thought, was much more valuable than, I think... Most of the... Most of the middle bit. Yeah. I mean, it's... Basically, you have all these kind of... I wouldn't say alliances formed or whatever because basically the whole series is oh you're a suspect let's rip a bit of your life open let's reveal some kind of darkness within you oh it's not you let's move on next person next person next person and that's kind of the recurring theme but it's what it does is it overlooks one certain thing which is who ultimately lost in the whole thing 
Yeah. And that's who it ended up being, the person who lost the most. That was a new one because they were quite smart to begin with. But then they just kind of lost... They got too insular within the school. They didn't bother to look outside, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I think when you're at school, school is your world. Yeah. And there's nothing more, there's nothing less. And, you know, this person, whoever the turd burglar was, was just so obsessed. Mm. So that's why they kept going down the route that it's someone who's been wronged. Because if you if you're all right, then... You don't need to be this obsessed with school because school's going great. Yeah. You only kind of obsess over school if everything's a bit shit. Mm. But, yeah, I think it was it was an interesting way to look at school relationships. Yeah. I mean, I think we're, we're making it a lot darker than I think it actually intended to be. Well, the thing is, it was... I think it was just a light, light-hearted look on really dark subject matters about how how quickly people can turn on each other as well that was that was definitely a theme running through the whole thing i mean it's and it's also how controlling some people can be over others as well it's you know like how the cliques are formed and how the you know kind of handlers and shit like that i mean i like the at the end i keep talking about the end but the end episode was pretty good when everyone just kind of got liberated so although the turd burglars ultimate idea was to make everyone look like shit show them how shit they are in fact what it did was show people not everyone but the people that it concerned how shit they were but then liberated them to do more and do better yeah a lot of the people there were very very fucked up individuals Mm. let's not mask that one obviously we all know school is always portrayed as this kind of dramatic place it's you know, it's not happy days. It, there's always a drama going on. There's always people overblowing things. But I think here there were genuine fucking people that you should have concern for. There mm. was there was a lot of unhealthy relationships there. Yeah, but at school there tends to be. You don't notice it until you're yeah. looking in. Yeah. Um, and I don't think they noticed it until someone started looking in. Mm. For example, Demarcus and Lou. Demarcus kind of had an idea. Everyone else knew but no one else would tell him until this documentary team kind of brought it up. Lou wasn't in it as a friend. He was in it for himself. And DeMarcus already knew that for years. And it kind of empowered him to go his own way. Yeah, which he totally needed to do. But no one at school would have told him that because everyone's pretending just as much as he is. Yeah, and it's also because Lou is a bit of a psycho. Yeah, but there's a psycho and then there's just, what's he going to do if you leave? Yeah. As he found out, what's he going to do if you leave? Nothing. True. And obviously you had the poor little rich girl, Jenna, who was the Kendall Jenner selfie woman. I don't think she learned anything at all. She was just her same vacuous self. I think she learned a little bit of humility. A little bit. Not much, but a little bit. Well, she learned how she shouldn't maybe... I don't know. No, I don't think she learned anything. Cause she didn't really change what she was doing. No. And if anything, it, the whole experience probably made her not so trusting of people. Yeah. But she wasn't very trusting of people anyway. Not, well, to be honest with you, she got burnt when she over-exaggerated herself. Yeah, but even before that, she wasn't really popular popular. She was just the rich girl. Yeah. So I don't. I think out of all of them, or even Drew, I don't think he learned anything either. No. Because he was very unfortunate, but he stood his ground, mm. took the heat, didn't want to take any more heat, then ended up having to take the rest of the heat. Mm. And it made no difference because he... 
He wasn't hurting anyone, though. No, he wasn't hurting anyone, but he didn't, you know, he was the the guy that was always in the friend zone who didn't want to be in the friend zone anymore. Yeah. But now he would always remain in the friend zone. Nothing changes for him. There's nothing yeah. that he needed to change. I mean, he was the he was the guy that every girl had a best had as their best friend. Diaper Drew. Diaper Drew. But yeah, he was that, you know, so for those two, I don't think there was any lesson learned for Kevin. There wasn't a lesson learned for him. I think it was just the sad realization that everything's a bit shit for him. Yeah. He's had a shit life. Mm. And then the, the biggest arc was Demarcus. Yeah, about how much, even though he's the star of his campus... He's lonely as fuck. Yeah. And his life has no meaning because all his life is is basketball. Yeah. So shall we reveal? Shall we lift up the skirt? Lift up the skirt, pull down the pants. Yes. Wipe the bum. <laughs> so, who was the turd burglar? Well, it wasn't Jenna. No. And it wasn't Drew. No. Well, actually, it was Jenna, but it wasn't Drew. See, this is where it gets you. So, there were four... There were four crimes. There were four crimes. There was the the drink. The drink, the brownout. The brownout, the piñata, the shit cannon, and the munching the pool. So, and this is massive spoiler, so stop listening now if you intend to actually watch the last episode and be amazed. Mm. Um, so, Brownout was Kevin. Yeah. And then you had the, oh, what was the second one? Was the piñata. The piñata, which was Demarcus. Mm-hmm. Sh- no, no. Yes. And then you had the shit cannon, which was Jenna. Yeah. And then you had the poo, with the, the poo in the... Uh, Advent yeah, calendar, calendar, which was the teacher, one of the teachers. Yes. Um, one of the teachers who, in fact, got Garrett suspended. He was the IT teacher. Mm-hmm. But the overarching evil nemesis of them all, who the had... Or- actual turd burglar. Yeah, the orchestra. The orchestra. Orchestra, is that correct? The one who orchestrated it. There we go, that was what I was looking for. Uh, was Garrett, the kid who got excluded for no fucking good reason. Yes. So it turns out Garrett was really fucking bitter about all of this. And if anyone had actually paid attention to his YouTube channel, Mm. they would have probably put two and two together. Yeah, but, you know, shoddy police work and it wouldn't have made a good, you know, series if they'd just gone straight to that. One episode long, that's that's more than enough. I think it was definitely too long to get to that point. Yeah, it did. But um, how Garrett got all of these... Innocent people involved in his scheme was he catfished. catfished them. He pretended to be a girl called Brooke from some pictures that he stole from a girl called Abby. Yes. And he just went out and messaged as many people at the school as he could find. And then all of those who responded, he tried to strike up relationships with, get some dirt on them, get them to do weird stuff so he'd have a recording. And then out of the ones who actually did it, he would then try and blackmail them into doing his bidding. Yes. And only a few of them responded. So Jenna had thought she had met the woman of her dreams. Yes. No. It was Garrett. It was Garrett. And he had now had some... Compromising photographs, yeah, I believe. Titty pictures of her, I believe. Yeah. And then you had the teacher who sent some dick pics. I mean, to be fair, that would have been to a minor as well, wouldn't it? Or was she senior? Uh, I think she would have been a senior. Yeah, hope. 
I hate it. She depends. Depends what state they're in. Yeah, um, but it's still not good. It's it, don't send dick pics, folks. No, they no could one, end up on the internet unless she asks for it. Don't send it. Yeah, and even if she does ask for it, make sure she's who she says she is. And then you had what Demarcus, who thought he'd found someone who understood. No, it was Garrett. Yeah. Didn't he jerk dicks. off on a on a video though? No, he sent dick pics, but because he wasn't circumcised, it looked like a, a turtle wearing uh, a turtleneck, really, mm. wasn't it? Yeah, his dick was wearing a turtleneck, uh, so that was shameful. Because um, in America, everyone gets circumcised, apparently. And that's something I learned because of this. So oh, this did has you not been. Know this? I did oh. not know that. Apparently, it's cleaner. Oh, I can understand that. I mean, you know, no one likes dick cheese, but. Yeah, I didn't know Like it was a regular thing in the States. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what the practice is now, but back in the day. Ah. And then you had Drew. So Drew was happy a woman just didn't want him to just be friends with her. Mm. And then for some mysterious reason, well, no, it wasn't even mysterious. She had said that she had a fetish of men in nappies or dressed as babies. So he dressed mm. as one, took some pictures. And then he said no to her blackmail so she released the pictures well she garrett released the pictures yeah and then garrett said you know if you tell anyone about this i'll release the video and the video was and i've worked out that i think it was him fisting himself oh whilst dressed as a baby because they kept talking about how flexible he is and i don't think he was sucking his own dick no and if you're going to be completely flexible I think, and you know, that's what it was. Yeah. So I think he was fisted. If I'm wrong, let me know. But that's what I think he was doing. It was all very... Yeah. Send it to Instagram. <laughs> Not the pictures, please. <laughs> um, hey, you call down the thunder, young lady. <laughs> um, and then, so yes, yeah, so that was Drew. And Drew was the only one that said no. And then you had poor Kevin. And I think Kevin's story was literally the saddest. Yeah. Because he proper fell for her and i think i feel for garrett as well in a way because garrett was friends with kevin yeah and he gave kevin an out because he didn't ask for any pictures or anything like that he just said he was going to meet kevin in a motel and they were just going to have sex so kevin went and bought all of the condoms in the world is that a thing do guys do that buy every fucking condom available just in case i think he was just a bit excited i think clearly he was And he waited and waited and waited and she didn't show. Mm. And then Garrett obviously sent this message, you know, saying, I'm not coming. Uh, But I think it was some point before that I might have skipped ahead a bit where he, you know, Garrett kind of says to Kevin, you know, you should get revenge for being called Shitstain. Yeah. You should figure out something to do, you know. And Kevin actually did the brownout of his own accord to try and impress her. Yeah. It wasn't because she was blackmailing. It was because he wanted to impress her and he did it. Um, And then he got stood up and then he found out that it was all a lie. Mm. And he was really, really fucked up about it. But for the sadness that it created, it did create the immortal line of, so if you did the brownout, that means you shit yourself on purpose. Oh, yeah. And then it just cuts out there, and I thought that was wonderful. Yeah. Because he did. Yeah. Well, you've got to keep up the illusion. Yeah, but... I mean, it didn't fucking work, because he got done for all of them at one point. Yeah, but I mean, even if you shit yourself on purpose, it's not going to be the same type of shit as a diarrhoea. Mm. Unless he drank the punch. No, he wasn't, because you know, he likes his tea. Oh, yeah. And that milky cinnamon substance that he gave to father, whatever his name was. Oh, yeah, to try and protect the father. Because he was really old. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it was... 
It was a lot of good swerving. I think mm. it could have been about three episodes shorter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, condense it down to maybe even, was it what was it, ten? Yeah. Take it down to five. Maybe I'd say six, six. Seven. Yeah. Six to make it British. British. A good British. There's four then, isn't it? It's four. Only if they're feature length. Oh, fucking the bodyguard. No. <sighs> um i think it's definitely worth a watch as, yeah. as a noob not watching the first season i enjoyed this and i will watch the first season now it's give it your time you you can't do much wrong with that no and for our next streaming review we'll be taking a look at the netflix original the titan boys this here's my wife well it's done kind of late for visitors isn't that high Oh, well, yeah, honey, but these boys just got out of the joint, so we got to show a little hospitality. And our review rewind this episode is Raising Arizona, the 1987 classic by the Coen brothers, starring Nicolas Cage and Holly Hunter. Nicolas Cage plays a thief who falls for a policewoman. They go and get married and... They really want kids, and unfortunately, the policewoman can't have kids. So they go and steal one of their own. And in true Coen Brothers style, hilarity does indeed ensue. Now then, this should not have worked as a film. Why not? I think it. I think it does. It Usually, can. when. Oh, okay. Let me reiterate. This should not have worked as the kind of heartwarming film that it did actually turn out to be. Because usually, with films with child snatching. It's usually a bit more sinister, a bit more... You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think... I know what you mean. I think they did really well at character building before they got to the gritty bit, where it was, you know, they start off with Nick Cage kind of talking about doing a voiceover over his multiple prison stints and how each time he goes through it, he starts to think more and more about this police officer who takes his picture. Yeah until the last time he goes in and he's just like i'm gonna marry this woman Mm -hmm. and he does and they both love each other and they're both incredibly happy and they're ready for the next stage Mm -hmm. and they try their hardest to find that they can't have kids Mm. and i think the way that that's built is really sad because regardless of whatever those two have done in their past Mm -hmm. there are a couple who are just trying to make something of themselves yeah and then they, then they find out that they can't adopt because of his criminal past. And yeah. they're both kind of hoping that because she's a decorated policewoman, it'd be fine. And mm. it's not good enough. And they you know, they both realise that they're never going to be good enough. Yeah, it's... Well, to be fair, he has got multiple rap sheets. It, we're not just... It, I mean, there's an Andrex role worth of rap sheets for that guy. For the same thing as well. Yeah. Convenience she, store robbing. Yeah. But unfortunately, when you want a kid, people do look at that and say... Is this really the stable home we want to be bringing uh, a kid into? I know. But it's hard for, I guess, people who really want to try and do better. I mean, yeah. in, in the way the film frames it is that he's trying now. He's got yeah. something to live for. Beforehand, it was just him. He didn't really give a shit. And now he's got Ed. Hmm. And he's, you know, he wants to do good by her. Yeah. And now he can't. And she she can't have her dream. Mm. And then they find out that this guy who has everything, this wealthy millionaire, whoever he is. He's a furniture salesman. Yeah, has five kids. And there's, there's five kids too many for some, isn't it, really? One kid's enough for some people. <laughs> and they're like, you know, let's just take one of his. Mm. And it's one of those moments where you're like, 
if they were rational people, they probably would think it through and think, actually, it's not a good idea. But mm. she was so sad that I don't think either... I mean, he would do anything to make her happy. Yeah. And she was so sad mm. that for a policewoman, she definitely was not thinking rationally. Yeah. It's, um, I guess when you've got your heart set on something so much, and let's be honest, but when people really want kids, it, it's not like one in a chocolate bar. It's you want something to love, something to, you know, nurture, watch grow, bring a new life into the world. And when you're told that you can't, and every avenue that you try mm. gets shut, and it's your one heart's desire just to have this little bundle i can see how you can just get to that point where you think you know what we can just take one of theirs yeah I, i'm not saying it's the good idea but no. i can see where you get there but they took all this like the sinister stuff out um you know it's not done in a malicious or sinister way it's done completely devoid of thinking yeah about anyone like at no point do they actually discuss the parents of the kid or no. anything they're literally like we well, need this let's go and get it yeah and they don't harm any of the children. They don't do anything. I think Nicolas Cage first goes in and has to sort of wrestle five babies. Yeah. And then he comes out and he's just like, oh, my God. And she's like, you don't come back to this car until you've picked one. Yes. So he, I think he just goes in and just takes one and leaves. Yeah. And he says, oh, it's the best baby. It's the best. And it turned out it was the best baby. Yeah. Because it Nathan was... Jr. Yeah. As they everyone kept saying... We think it's Nathan Jr. No one was truly sure what one it was. Yeah. And it's because uh, there's one called Larry and, and Barry and Gary. Gary. But the one standout one was Nathan Jr. Yeah. And they took him and they loved him. And then good old John Goodman comes in to spice everything up. Yes. Um, John Goodman is part of an idiotic duo of brothers, isn't it? Yes. Who? Gail and Evel. Yes, and I don't know how they managed to break out of prison because they weren't none too clever. Well, they hit a sewer pipe, didn't they, on the way out yeah. during the rain? Yes. <laughs> oh, God, I was just having flashbacks of Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah. That was quite... That was a similar scene, wasn't it, really? Yes, it was just like... They were going, ah! You know, there is something about John Goodman being covered in mud and shit, just going, ah! He spent a lot of that film going, ah! Yeah. <laughs> it's John Goodman, though, he can. True. You know, these two escapees come into High and Ed's world and just fucking... Get in the way, really. Get in the way and shake it up. Yeah. Not in a good way. Kind of like shaking up a Coke can. It's, um, well, that's when the cracks start to form, isn't it? Because I think if the two guys didn't come in... Yeah. They would have been happily in bliss with this child mm. and probably would have got away with it but it's a Coen's brothers film so it's yeah. it's a comedy of errors really isn't it yeah. something has to give and they come in and they start planting the seeds of doubt yeah in high's head of like you know come back to a life of crime yeah this isn't for you and it it wasn't just the, the two brothers either it was the family from hell oh the um the boss uh, the foreman and his wife he yeah. was played by francis mcdermott yeah dot and gary I yeah think he was called but yeah, they and have bastard adopted children that they oh had. Oh my god! It's... Oh, they they were horrible children. You know, you go in the street sometimes and you just see a brat acting spoiled, and you're like, "That's a little brat." Amplify it by a hundred, and you have these kids. Yeah, because they are like these are these are not going to be productive members of society. Let's just lock them in a cage now. Well, even the dad, he was a pain with his 
jokes about Polish people, wasn't it? Oh, he was constantly. A, he was a knob, an absolute penace. And then Dot, who was just so happy to be surrounded by children, she was completely ignorant to the fact that she was actually quite a shit mum. Yeah, I mean, she could not notice that her kids were fucking animals. No, I mean, one wrote fart on the wall. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I'm surprised it wasn't anything stronger given how the rest of them were. Yeah. But, yeah, no, they they were animal children. But, again, it helps to put the idea in High's head that maybe this isn't the best thing. Because, yeah. obviously, he's he knows he's not a good parental figure. And it's kind of sad because, you know, his heart's in the right place. I think he, I think he doubted himself too much. I think he is a good parental figure. He's just... A little bit thick. Yeah, and he's also a victim of his own circumstances as well. Yeah, I mean, if he made more of an effort to not do the crimes, then maybe he might be all right. Yeah, because the reason why I mentioned the couple with the annoying children is high snaps at his boss after, well, basically the guy says, let's do a bit of wife swapping. Yeah. And he punches him. And then he walks into a lamppost or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just... That's kind of how, you know, obviously the brothers kind of tipped it down a wee bit, but this was the nosedive. This is where shit really hit the fan. Yeah. And, you know, at that point, everything just starts to go wrong for the, for the, you know, well, the undeserving the, couple, really. Well, High starts having those premonitions of the bounty hunter. Oh, God. Where in the, in the first CDC here, the first thing I thought was, oh, it's Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider of his... Harley Davidson of fire. I was thinking Dog the Bounty Hunter and maybe, the deck. Maybe it's a bit of both if oh, Ghost shit. Rider and Dog the Bounty Hunter oh, that's not a crossover went into we Mad Max. Oh, yeah, God. And then that's what with the son of um, John C. Riley. Oh, God. That's, that's what would happen. Ah. Um, but, yeah, so we had this premonition and then this Bounty Hunter, I forgot, I don't remember what his name was. It doesn't really matter because he was heinous. Yes. Um, basically tries to extort money from Mr. Arizona, the father of the stolen child. Yeah. Um, Who's just like, I don't want your fucking money. I've put out a bond for people to find my kid. You either find the kid and you get the money or you fuck off. Yeah. And he's like, I want more. If I find your kid and you don't give me more, I'm just going to sell your child on the black market. Yeah. I'm like, what a massive prick you are. Yeah, he was, you know, out of everyone, I mean, not everyone in this has their faults but that guy had no redeeming features well, he whatsoever. wasn't trying to do good no at no all. no he was a he was a dick yeah and then they find out so the brothers and the foreman find out that the kid's stolen and the brothers steal the kid yes in the hilarious fight scene that mm. i thought was hilarious yeah they they trash a trailer <laughs> oh but before that before that my favorite scene and i love a running scene in a film. I love a good, hilarious running scene. You got Point Break, even Ferris Bueller's Day Off, mm-hmm. Hot Fuzz, mm-hmm. Raising Arizona. Oh God, yes, the uh, running scene. I love it. This when... was just after the failed robbery of Huggies. Yeah, and he's running with the Huggies, and he they get shot out of his hand. He has to leave him behind, and he runs to another shop to steal some more Huggies. And they've got a fucking shotgun. And... Yeah. Oh my and he gosh. runs around the person's house, around the inside. Yeah. Dogs everywhere. Mm-hmm. Love it. Oh, it was so good. It was so, so good. I wonder if anyone on YouTube's made like a mashup of every running scene, but to the music from Ferris Bueller. 
because I've seen I've seen the one for Point Break, but I want all of them. Mm. See, I would have liked it to the theme of na- a naked gun or police squad. That only works if you're in a car. Come ah. on, come on, come on, <laughs> you come on, come on. Um, expand your horizon. <laughs> but I loved it. I, I mean, I liked that bit a lot. Yeah. That was definitely up there. I was crying with laughter during it. That was good, but I the fight scene for me. I mean, it's not the, the fight scene from They Live, but you know, it's John Goodman. Yeah, going. Aah! I was impressed that Nicolas Cage could flip. Yes. John Goodman. I was like, whoa, because Nicolas Cage wasn't the the brawny Nicolas Cage we know oh, now. Oh no, he was the scrawny one back then. Yeah, I wondered where his chin went. I was like, man's got no jaw in this film. I don't understand. Yeah, because he all he had was the tash. He didn't have a beard. It he had just, nothing. He, he was just really skinny yeah i was just like oh where, where are you with his woody woodpecker hair and tattoo <laughs> but no the fight scene between john goodman and nick cage is up there in all good fight scenes i think <laughs> for all the wrong reasons john goodman slapping nicholas cage for a bit of shelf yes oh yes <laughs> but then i just like john goodman He's... everyone likes john goodman right we hope so so I maybe we roseanne so yeah, John Goodman's stolen the kid, and they keep leaving the kid behind. Yeah, I, it should be noted that the brothers really bond with the baby, like a proper. Fully... Everyone who touches his baby bonds with the baby, except yeah, like proper the bounty hunter. Yeah, but then he's he has no soul, so that's fine. But John Goodman and his brother are just absolutely enamoured with this baby. And it's like, at one point they're talking about balloons. I got it, balloons! It's so cute! Or is it in funny shapes? No! It's round! But it's like, and I got the nappy cream, I got this! And it's just like, they really, really want to do right by this baby because they were just going to give the baby back and get the reward money. And then they They decide to keep it. Yeah. It's a special baby, this yes. Nathan Jr. Yes, you know, they want to keep it all in the family, so they put the kid in a bank job. Yeah, I mean, that bank, I, I didn't think banks like that. I mean, I don't believe it still exists, but maybe it does exist. I thought those banks only existed in the Wild West, with, like, miners, gold miners stood in there. Yeah, was someone actually trying to bank a chicken? Possibly, or was just dead. they caught the chicken and they were just taking it home, passing through the bank. Yeah. It was, uh, that was a funny scene though, classic though, mm. where it's just like, freeze, everybody on the ground. Do you want us to freeze or get on the ground? Oh God, um, <laughs> they use their real names. And, no, oh. it's a code name. It was oh a yeah, code it was a name. code name that sounded very similar to their <laughs> real names. Wink, wink, wink. Yeah, I mean, the whole town was a bit slow, but Cameron Brothers seem to enjoy putting people in towns where everyone is a bit dim slow yeah but um no hilarity ensues with the bank robbery they get the money but they also get a little extra present yeah can't see where they're going (laughs) and forget the baby oh god the first time they forget the baby obviously they rob two places um because they rob the first place where they get the nappy cream and everything because you know they have no money so yeah what else are they gonna do and it is it make him count to 850 something wasn't it something like that and, and then and count backwards as well and he'll yeah. come back and check yeah but they leave the baby on the sidewalk because obviously john goodman's cooing with the baby in the car seat throwing it about and, and all then he that. puts it on top of the car yeah and then it clearly falls off yes how that baby's not dead i am not sure it's a but good car seat yeah that that is the car seat you want ladies yeah. and gents for your <laughs> little progeny <laughs> but no it's the first time they forget the baby it's just john goodman going 
ah! I thought that was a bit excessive after hour 45 of him going, ah! To be fair, though, he had just forgotten a baby that he actually cared about. If there was any reason to go, ah! Now, John Goodman did not need to shout for what was, I think, a whole two to three minutes. Yeah. And then the pack explodes and they get nowhere. Yes. And they get stopped by High and Ed, who were chasing them down. Yes, to get the baby. Find there's no baby. Find realise that the baby's at the bank, so they drive down to the bank. And then there's the showdown between them and the bounty hunter. Yeah. Who can clip a baby onto the front of his bike. I mean, I want this bike. Yeah. I mean, that baby's eating flies. Yeah. Especially if you're going full pout on a bike. But... Yeah. That's a pretty good seat. Yeah, totally. It's in every seat. Yeah. And that baby was quite happy with everything that was happening. Oh, yeah. But obviously, big showdown. Yeah. High gets his ass kicked for a bit. High does. And it, it dawned on me as I was watching it as well, like, has Nicolas Cage spent the entire film with one eye open? Yes. Because I was watching him fight, and I was like, when are you going to open the other eye, mate? Is, have you already been punched in it? I can't... I, I don't know what's happening here. Well, Nicolas Cage is very much an actor of the eyes. Or I. In this case. Yeah, I mean, I thought that this was quite a toned down Nicolas Cage. Yeah, it was a very toned down Nicolas Cage. But it, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, by toned down, I mean he wasn't his usual... I think this is before you fully experienced the nirvana of letting himself go. Yes. becoming one with the film. Yes. Because I think that hit in Moonstruck, which was the same year, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. You've got to love a bit of the old Moonstruck. No. But um, back to the film we're actually reviewing. Yeah, back to the film. I'll stop going off on a Nicolas Cage tangent. So he fights and is pretty much what losing the fight, mm -hmm. but then pulls off a grenade, pulls the pin out of a grenade off this guy. Yeah. And he just pops. pops and his boot comes out. And the first thing I thought when his boot came off, I was just like, is there a foot inside it? Mm. That's all I could think about. Yeah. I wasn't, oh, this man's dead. I was like, what if there's a foot inside there? Yeah. But we never found out. No. It's it, a shame, really. I mean, the film's pretty fucking fast-paced as well. Yeah. For a Coen's brother film. It was like, boom, boom, yeah, boom, Yeah, I boom. was expecting, like, long periods of absolutely fucking just pure chat. Yeah. And staring at some scenery of some more chat. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was just, like, all the chat was on a voiceover, and yeah. you still had the action happening beneath it. And I thought mm. that was really, really good. Yeah. So, yeah, the film is literally snappy. Um. Anyway... I've gone off there, as I do. And they um, get the baby and then they take the baby back to the rightful parents yeah. who catch them. So the dad catches them, putting the son back and hears their story and feels sad, doesn't press any charges. Yeah. And we don't really know whether or not he gives them any money. I don't think he was ever going to give anyone money, just no. credit towards new furniture. Yeah. And it's... Um... For tax purposes. Yes. And so, of course, everything goes back to kind of how it, the way it was, just everyone's a bit more aware of themselves, shall we say. Yeah, Nicolas Cage has one of his... Prophetic pre dream. You hope it's a pr prophetic dream. Yeah, I mean, I got a bit emotional during this because I was like, when they were talking to the dad, and I was like, oh... You're going to split up, it's not good. Oh, this is such a sad tale. <sighs> and then he starts going on about his dream that he's having and I, I think they try and keep it quite vague because it's a dream yeah so you don't know if what happens in the dream actually does come true but you kind of think it's probably more likely that it has come true you pray it comes true because it is a really beautiful dream it's should we 
go through the dream if you want i want to because go, it's go beautiful on then. You um, do it. obviously he says oh i have a dream you know i'm having this dream and the two brothers actually go back to jail they realize that they weren't rehabilitated enough they go through, back through the hole of whence they came yep and you know they return to their jail through the ship pipe presumably the ship pipe, yep. and then you cut to the arizona kids all of them including Nathan Jr. And the voiceover mentions about getting a present anonymously, but you know it's from, Mm. you know, high in ed. And then it goes a bit more forward where, oh, sorry, the Christmas present they give him is an American football. Yep. And then you skip a bit more forward to an older Nathan Jr. who's playing football. Mm. And the voiceover is going like, you're hoping that you've made an impact on this kid's life, a positive one. You cut a bit more forward and it's high and Ed uh, as old people with their kids coming in and their grandkids coming in. And it's a, I think it's a Thanksgiving dinner, isn't it? Because yeah. you see the pumpkin pie and you see the turkey. and But it's just like he's hoping above hope that this becomes pathetic. And, and towards the end of it, you do as well because they're good people. They're trying. They're trying. They want the best yeah. for each other. So you kind of hope that it does come true. It's not like one of those films where you're watching you th- everyone's a knob. Mm. Everyone's a victim of circumstance. And yeah. It's quite... It's actually, if you think about it, it could be quite a sad film. Yeah. But it's actually quite upbeat. It's mm. good fun. Yeah. It's a good fun film with a dark, dark plot. But they've managed to balance it so that even though it is a, it's about child snatching, but it's in a whimsical way. Only the way the Coen brothers know how. Yeah. They love a dark plot in a whimsical way. Yes, bless them. And so forever what, may that be. Indeed. So what was its score? Its Metacritic score was 68. I think that's a little harsh. Yeah. I'm finding Metacritic is a very harsh system. Mm, sometimes I find it fair. But for this one, I give it a, I'm going to give it a full 80. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I'd actually agree with you on this one because it's got the right pacing. It's got mm. a great plot. It's got great actors. It's got, it's got Nick Cage flourishing almost into what we love and know. Now I know is Nicolas Cage. Yeah, because he's showing sparks then. Oh, yeah, I think it's... It's definitely a good film, and I don't think it's dated at all. No, it's... Uh, and you know what? It's got a lot of heart to it. Even, like we said, this is a film about child snatching. There should be no heart or soul in this film. But you know what? It does it. Yep. Um, I, I would say 80, and if you can, give it a watch. Yep, totally do that. Oh, what's in the box? What's in the fucking box? And our review rewind for next episode is... Sam, get your hand in... Oh, the tension. If it's Jaws, I'll eat my own hand. I've got one. All right, open it. Come on. Nighthawks. You jinxed it. You said, please be a good one. So, Nighthawks, 1981. And that's the end of episode five of the Instant Junk Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Sam. And I'm Jill. See you later.